Since time immemorial, people have aspired to know their future. In this pursuit, they addressed fortune-tellers, mages, prophesiers and sorcerers. Today, we will show you a story, from which you will find out what price people actually pay for addressing magic. So, let's watch it, and then we'll talk. Hello, dear friends, this is Shadow Control, and we continue our eyewitness stories section. We received an email from Maria, and today we have invited her to our Alatra TV studio so that she would share her story in person. Masha, could you please tell us what you've come to us with and what you would like to share? Greetings. I watched other episodes of Shadow Control and understood that the experience of every participant who told their stories was clear to me. Many things which happened in my life and which I couldn't explain, everything has fallen into place. I understood that most of my life someone else has actually lived instead of me. I began to realize that this happens to all people. We often try to forget about everything bad or not to think about it. But in actual fact, every person feels a certain impact of shadows on him or her. And I would like to tell my story. What was happening in my life that I had to go through such an experience? Basically, I recalled already after sending you my email that all sorts of events related to shadows had been happening to me since I was a little child. I had a grandmother who I came to visit. I played with tarot cards already when I was two or three years old. At that time I didn't understand, but they had pictures and I liked them, although now I understand that it was a little weird, perhaps. So your grandmother had the cards at home? Yes, exactly. Basically, I can say, the most grandiose event from which story probably started happened when I was 12 or 13. My father died, he committed suicide. At the time, I sort of… he didn't live with my mother, my sister and me, but he lived with his mother, my grandmother, whom I loved a great deal. After my father died, I supported my grandma. She lived in the same house, but in another block. I stayed with her overnight and supported her all the time. My sister visited her together with me, but she didn't stay overnight because she was afraid. Anyway, I love my grandma very much. She spent a lot of time with me since I was a kid, and I often stayed with her. After my father died, she woke up early and cried all the time. I woke up, heard her crying, and wanted to support her somehow, to say something good. At that time, I had the following understanding. We shouldn't cry for my father, he's probably in a better place. Everything's fine with him, we should pray for him, but shouldn't be sad or cry. One morning, when I was saying something pleasant to support her, she started telling me such things that I didn't feel sorry for my father, for the fact that he had died. How could I say that? I was 12 years old, and I couldn't understand why my grandmother, whom I loved so much, said that I didn't feel sorry for my father. When I had such sincere feelings and wanted to help, I was shocked. I started crying and wanted to go home. 
She sort of got scared and said, Oh, I probably said it wrong, don't worry. I'm just concerned that you will take away my apartment. That phrase was very, very strange to me. Well, I stopped being offended at her, realizing that she was emotional. But she told me the following. Just don't tell your mother about what has happened. That seems strange to me as well. But I trusted her, so I didn't tell anything to my mom. Later on, other precedents took place. And I already told my mother about them. She got angry at the grandma for talking to me this way. She called her and said, you no longer have grandchildren. I don't want you to be in touch. You hurt her, so don't talk to us. My grandmother said, okay. From that time on, when I saw her in the street, although we lived in the same house, she just passed me by. It was really strange. It hurt me. And I cried because I had spent so much time with her before. So we just stopped communicating. Afterwards, as my mother and sister noticed, and I later noticed that too, I became kind of strange, so to say. I started locking myself, although I used to be very sociable since I was a kid. I used to go out a lot. While here, on the contrary, I became even a little evil, let's say. I started yelling a lot, quarreling with my mother and sister. I stopped going out anywhere. I even remember my feelings. It wasn't like me. I was very, very angry. Everything squeezed in my chest. I pressed my fists very strongly. And I was burning with anger inside. And I couldn't control that. I was horrified for the things I said to my family. I sat down and thought, how could I say so? I won't say it anymore. But a day passed and those breakdowns recurred. I could no longer control my emotions. Before that time, I never had anything like that. I could switch from bad to good mood in order to support someone else. It was easy. While here, I could no longer control myself. Then I got involved. It can be said that I got involved and started hanging around with guys from school. I started drinking alcohol with them. There were cigarettes, and we were hanging around, listening to music, some kind of rock, even played by Satanists. So I began spending time like that. Of course, my condition got worse. I became even more aggressive, embittered and depressed. I remember that it was very bad. My mother and my sister... My sister began to have dreams that my grandmother, with whom we no longer communicated, was brewing some kind of potion guessing on cards and bewitching something. My sister began to have such dreams, and my mother and sister decided that they probably needed to go somewhere to figure out what was happening, because there was obviously some kind of impact. So we went to a fortune teller. When we came, she told us such a story that my grandmother seemed to live with some demon from the higher hierarchy. And she was like his wife, one might say that there was some kind of a mark on her. The fortune teller said that grandmother would die, perhaps soon. She had to pass on this demon to someone and she chose me as a victim. I was the closest to her since childhood and she wanted to pass this to me. The fortune teller began to describe, you feel a burning sensation in the solar plexus, you clench your fists. She started listing different sensations of mine and said the following. If your grandmother touches you, she will pass it on to you. 
When I used to come to my grandmother, she always gave me something, money, food, or bought something for me. Always. There wasn't a single time when I came and she didn't give me anything. The fortune teller said that my grandmother always charmed the things that she gave me. She said that I mustn't communicate with her and in no case I should touch her. She said, I'll put protection on you. I don't know what she did, she just said she would. But she didn't do it in front of you, did she? No ritual or… She took a piece of paper, closed her eyes and drew many, many circles. She told me to carry it with me. So you just carried a piece of paper which this woman, the fortune teller, called protection? Yes, yes. You were supposed to carry it with you? Yes. Everywhere constantly, or were there any recommendations? Yes. I had to just put it in my purse so that it would always be with me. She also gave some recipe to my mom, but I didn't understand it. It was necessary to cook something, I don't know what, and while all this was boiling, it had a very unpleasant smell spreading throughout the apartment and it had to boil for several hours. So you cooked it? Yes. And I also had to read some psalms from the Bible. I don't remember anymore the 90th, I think. Didn't such a recommendation seem strange to you, at least? Well, to be honest, I was 12. I didn't understand at all what they wanted from me. I was angry and I felt so good. Leave me alone. So I felt like it was okay. My mother didn't know any other way out and tried to help me the best she could and knew. After the fortune teller told us all this, I began to have a very strong fear that my grandmother would touch me. I had a dream that I was walking down the street somewhere in our neighborhood while I was at my grandmother's house, where she came to me and wanted to touch me, but I knew I mustn't let her do that. I was afraid of her. I started running away. Everything seemed to slow down, and I could neither move nor shout. I could do nothing. And those dreams, I woke up all the time. I had to pull myself out of that dream. I was very scared. Such dreams really lasted for years. For many years I was afraid to leave the apartment, because I was afraid that I would open the door and she would stand there and grab me. When I saw her somewhere in the street, I just had such a tremor. I was shaking all over and couldn't breathe. Today I recall that I really lived with this fear for many years. It's interesting you say that you met your grandmother in the street. Was she trying to grab you at that moment or how was it? No, no. On the contrary, my grandmother avoided me. Once she tried to say, come to me, and she began to get something out of her bag. She wanted to give me something, but I just left quickly and that's all. Once she called, after two or three years, and after that I felt very bad. She called and asked me to come to visit her. She really wanted me to come, but she never missed to add, don't tell your sister. At the time I lived with my sister. Don't tell anyone that I called you. Come to me. She said that she really wanted to see me. By that time, several years had passed since we hadn't talked. I said, I don't want to. She said, why, please, come along. And after I talked to her, these states worsened. Now I already understand that when I even talked to her, it was still some kind of contact. Somewhere it passed anyway. Obsessive fear started again. It was harder for me after our communication. But the dreams continued for a very long time, and other situations began to mingle with the story. Now I think that they are interconnected because if you already contacted this at least once, it seems to begin to be offered to you from all sides. Such various options. For example, I met a mage, as he called himself. He opened the set 
that he saw different shadows, different creatures, and could interact with them. He said that he helped people. People addressed him if they had any problems, and he helped them to solve everything. I told him about my grandmother and showed her photo. He told me that this person was not a human anymore, that it was a demon, a devil, as he said. And he also offered me protection. During all this time, I had terrible headaches. My mother and I visited many doctors, and all of them said that everything was fine. I even underwent MRI and all the necessary tests, but I felt tired all the time. I looked at my peers who went for a walk after school, they had a lot of energy, but I just came home and I needed to sleep. I had headaches all the time, I couldn't always attend school, I was physically exhausted. When this mage offered his protection, he said that my grandmother still had contact with me, although not as strong one as before, that she was unable to transfer it onto me directly, and he said, if you feel bad, she feels good, she as if feeds on your energy. He also said that he would maintain some protection. Well, I would actually say that for a certain period of time I did feel a clear difference and started feeling good physically. Headaches ceased, all of a sudden they just stopped completely and I started feeling well. But later on… And internally, did your condition change or not? Internally, yes, I stopped thinking about it all and started sleeping more calmly. For a certain period of time, for a couple of months, I felt better. In this case, what was the protection that this mage maintained? There was no need in any ritual. He was allegedly considered to be a superior mage and didn't need all these tricks, as he said. He interacted with these creatures directly. He could see them, could communicate with them, and he didn't need these rituals. He sort of made a deal, or how did it happen then? Well, he just by his own… no rituals were needed. Mm-hmm, so you started feeling better? Yes, I felt better for a while, which is interesting. I felt physically relieved, I stopped thinking, stopped being scared, because before I had always been afraid to sleep. Sometimes, at the moment of falling asleep, I had some auditory hallucinations, it could be some kind of laughter, as if a demon from a movie was laughing very violently, you might say. I called it voice hallucinations, it's what I found on Google. There were also visual hallucinations. A couple of times I saw something that looked like a big black clouds. There were garland lights in my room, it was more or less light, but when I opened my eyes, there was like a black cloud. What did it look like? With such different spheres, it was flashing, it blinked, but it wouldn't go away. I was very scared, but it was… So, was it like a cloud? Yes. Or was it a silhouette of some kind? No, like a cloud. It didn't have any shape. Just like this. It helped for a while. But what is interesting, later on, when… It helped, you mean just your headaches were gone? My headaches were gone. I started feeling better, my mood improved. I kind of felt the difference. I had been living in those states for a long time, always feeling depressed and lacking energy. I thought it was normal. 
that it's the way you are, right? Yes. I thought that maybe I had changed. I was active, but became like this. I didn't understand, and I just thought it was normal. I already got used to it. But at that time I felt, stop, something is wrong. I can feel better. At one point, I found out that the mage went to rest and stopped doing everything. I heard it from other people. And at that time, I felt that all the manifestations, which had been before, hit me with a double or even triple force. I mean, I started having a lot of suicidal thoughts, and I was getting really sick. I always had the following in my head. I'm not normal. I'm going crazy. I was studying to be a psychologist. And a teacher once said the following thing. When a girl's father kills himself, the girl will do the same with an 80 to 90 percent certainty. It affected me very much. She didn't know, but those words, I got scared of being alone with myself. It seemed to me that I could do that. I didn't want it, I just cried. It was really scary. When the mage stopped doing his dark business for a while, it became very, very acute. Can we clarify this point so it turns out to be as follows? You found out that he stopped practicing and you got a thought that now this protection would subside or… No, at first I… So is this work of consciousness or what? I started feeling bad at first, there was something wrong. And then I found out about the mage and understood why it happened. I tried to struggle against these manifestations in another way. I decided to go to church. The first time I decided to go to church was due to the situation that my grandmother lived with a demon. Well, I was sort of protected for a while as I thought. I was tormented inside that if not to me, she would pass her demon onto someone else, whether to a neighbor or another person. And I felt guilty. I thought, it has to be stopped somehow. It cannot be like that. How can this be? Although the fortune teller said that it was her choice, no one can banish him. But I recalled that later. For some reason, I thought that a priest should help in this situation. I knew there were exorcist priests. But I was 13 or 14 years old. Where to go? Which adult can I tell about it? When I tried to talk to my mom, she was scared, and I knew I couldn't speak to her. She was overreacting, I didn't want to talk about that. She said, you cannot do this. Or she could have said, if you want to, just go. What are you talking about? Aggressively. I knew I couldn't talk to her. At the age of 13 or 14, who else among adults could I address? Well, priests are the trusted people, they should understand me. So I went there. I knew a church in Lviv, where there was a priest who exorcised evil spirits, something like that. How would I communicate with him? I went to confession. I was also tormented by all sorts of things, that I had said bad things to my relatives before, and I felt guilty for that. I told the priest everything as it was, but his reaction was like this. He said that my mother and I had sinned a lot, because we went to the fortune teller. We shouldn't have done that. He assigned me some prayers to read and said that I should make peace with my grandmother. Because of the fortune teller, I stopped communicating with her while she was my blood relative, and it's a very big sin. I shouldn't have listened to the fortune teller, but be friends with my grandmother. I didn't go to my grandmother, of course, but I read prayers. My trust in the church, where I thought they could understand me, 
started sort of breaking. And for a while, I didn't want to confess or do anything like that. Did you tell them that your grandmother had a demon, that you wanted to help her and were looking for an exorcist? Did you say that? Yes. What did they tell you? They said that the fortune teller had made this up. Just no explanations, only denial. It's all bad, you should be friends with your grandmother. Yet I also had such fear, I don't know why I thought it up, that in a dream someone can steal my soul. I was very afraid that I would fall into an astral plane and some demon would eat my soul. I was terrified of that. The priest told me to go to my grandmother and I thought, how will I go? She'll take away my soul. Where did this fear come from? Do you remember? That's from the fortune teller who said that my grandma could influence and so on. That's what I figure out for myself. Also, please tell us, did you ever ask your grandmother this question directly? Grandma, what kind of demon do you have? I was told… And does she tell fortunes at all? This is an interesting point. When I was told that she had a demon, I didn't talk to her anymore. But after that I recall such things. When I was younger, my grandmother used to say to me, your mother doesn't like that I come to visit you. I ask her why. Although my mother never forbade me, she never said anything bad about my grandmother. And grandma said, because she found various items in her apartment and said that I was telling fortunes on them and witchcrafting something. When the mother-in-law of another son came to visit her, my dad always went to the other room. And he said that he didn't want to be there when that woman came. Why? He said, she always goes to fortune tellers and I don't want to communicate with her. Interestingly, my father didn't go to church. My mother always taught us to go to church on Sundays, but my father didn't like it. When there were big holidays, we took him with us and he was there somehow, but he didn't go to church regularly. When he was found dead, a lot of icons were found in his belongings. He must have felt something. Yeah, the fortune teller said, it was because of my grandma, because of the demon daddy did it. Tell us please, is there any evidence that your grandmother really engaged in magic? Facts, maybe you saw it. Evidence? I didn't see it. My mother told me later, when I told her something about it, that there were times when I was a little child, I was sleeping, she would enter the room, they used to live together, and my grandmother would stand over my bed and whisper something. She also said that when they lived together, there were two rooms in their apartment, a passage room and a separate one, where my mother, father, sister and grandmother lived. I wasn't there yet. And my grandmother made them move into the passage room, while she herself settled in the private, separate room. My mother said that she heard strange sounds at night from her room and felt some strange things. This is an interesting point. Masha, you told us that your mother, your sister and yourself attended church. Your father went there very rarely. It can be said that you were religious. Not fanatically, but yes. But still, you followed certain… Traditions and rituals. Yes, certain traditions. You attended church. I'll go back in chronology. When you said that your sister had a dream about your grandmother, 
bewitching, for some reason your mother chose to go to a fortune teller instead of church. I don't really know why. Such a solution to the problem seemed to be normal. Normal, so if something happened, there is some old lady somewhere on the outskirts of the village, to whom you could come, she would whisper or do something and solve the issue. It was kind of normal. As for why this decision was made in the first place, besides the fact that I felt strange and there were these dreams, our things started disappearing and there were strange noises in the kitchen at night, for example, and we all were experiencing some sort of strange sensations and someone's presence. So, all of you, your mother, your sister, and you began to notice manifestations of shadows in your life and in your apartment. Right. How did this affect me afterwards? I realized that when I had any questions or something was bothering me, I found a solution to the problem. I had to go and tell fortunes. It seemed normal to me. And that's how I formed such an attitude that someone could influence me. There was no understanding that I could help myself and I could solve my own problems. There was no responsibility. I couldn't take it because I thought everyone was guilty and everyone had to do everything for me. But I couldn't do anything. My life was just going away, I couldn't catch it and decide anything on my own or do something in my life. Someone had to make decisions instead of me. Right, they said you had to make peace with your grandmother. You weren't ready for that, but you prayed. How did the things in your life develop further? As a matter of fact, I went to other exorcist priests so that they would help me when I had exacerbation of bad sensations. They prayed somehow. There was one priest who prayed over me. I felt relieved. There were fewer of such thoughts, but it didn't help for long. A day or two, a week? Yeah, a day, two days or a week. That's the maximum. And it kept coming back all the time. Then it got to the point that I attended church almost every day. It was already a kind of dependency. I got tired of it at some point and just said to myself, that's enough. I won't think about it anymore. For a certain while, I forgot about all these feelings, tried to live a normal life and went to work. My work was related to direct selling, a very aggressive one, I can say. We walked down the streets, entered people's offices, but not their homes, just offices and stores. We went everywhere and sold invitations, various discounts and offers. I really liked my job at that time. It was kind of out of the ordinary. We had meetings every morning. Everyone always had to look very beautiful, like for a holiday, and had to come very early. We always had different meetings in the morning where we had very charismatic managers. For instance, because one of them I actually wanted to work there, he somehow attracted me. He was very mysterious, cute, spoke calmly, but very interestingly. I thought he was very smart and I could learn something from him. When I was at the interview, I really wanted to have this job. Every morning we started differently, not like at other jobs where everyone drinks coffee and so on. No, we played various games, sang a lot, danced, made noise, made advertising presentations to each other, arranged contests and competitions. 
The morning was really very active for an hour and a half. We were given some topics about sales, how to sell correctly. It was very interesting, but very emotional. I got so caught up in all these sales that I lived by this job. I got up very early and went to bed very late. I woke up at night, already at work? Can I go to work now? I really want to go to work. So you had a desire to go there? Yes. It's just very strange. Usually people don't like such jobs associated with active imposition of some goods on others. It's kind of weird. For some reason, it was very emotional. Because of these emotions that I was experiencing at that time, I felt myself like some kind of an actress. I was doing something that I didn't do in my ordinary life. I approached every person in the street, uh, came to their work, I talked to everyone, and I liked it. I received a lot of attention. I could talk to very different people, managers and ordinary workers. I've always liked to communicate a lot, in fact. This interaction with people has always given me very strong emotions. It was inspiring. I don't know. It seems to me that I wanted it so obsessively that I even became dependent on communication and emotions. For a while, I thought that I was an emotionally dependent person. I came to the point that in the morning, when I was riding in a public minibus, I specifically turned on some cheerful music, which ignited me and inwardly accelerated my emotions very much. So I did it artificially. I was artificially accelerating my brain and emotions, so that just like that, it was very euphoric, so that I could always be euphoric. Then sales were effortless and very fun. Every weekend, we were encouraged to take a rest and drink alcohol. We were supposed to rest very actively and spend all the money that we earned, so that we would want to earn money again, starting from Monday morning. And every week, we were constantly reminded that on Friday there would be a party. You need to earn a lot of money to have something to hang out for. Every time they kept reminding us of that, and we were so charged. Well, I liked it for a certain while. Actually, I couldn't be at all the parties because of my sales, but I was at a few. Were there any accesses? Yes. We had to sell more and more. And I really wanted to hang out with everyone. You had to be the best employee in order to join the best team. There was such constant motivation, and I was incessantly bringing myself to emotions. I was already on my way to get to all the different parties to join. Sales were going well, and every day I was enhancing my emotions. I literally needed a couple of days to sell very well. One day I came to work, and we went to sell to the prosecutor's office. Everyone sold there, they always bought everything from everyone. It should have been a very good day, easy and great. I came with my co-worker, and I just had a nervous breakdown. I simply sat down, cried all day long, and had very obtrusive pictures in my head. Right there, in the prosecutor's office? Yes. I just couldn't do anything with myself. I couldn't stop it. Pictures, thoughts, all the worst things that exist in life were flashing very quickly all day long. Can you give an example of what kind of pictures and thoughts you had? About my father, of course, about my grandmother, everything that scared me the most, what my conscience tormented me for, that I said something bad to someone, did something about suicide. Meaning fear, sense of guilt, right? All the bad things that happened in life, as if all good things were removed. From the past? Yes, from the past. And only this stuff remained. But I missed an important point. Before that, in order to sell very well, 
I met a boy there whom I started dating. We enjoyed selling, and we also started visiting fortune tellers. Was it Costa? Yes. There was a girl who made a lot of sales, and we wanted to do the same. So, we went to the mage and to fortune tellers and asked them, how can we do that? The mage said, I can do anything inside you, with your character, with any blocks. I can do anything for you. And after those visits, the breakdown has happened. Visits. What did they do there? Did they lay out the cards? I don't know. Did they give you any charmed items? What was needed? Actually, we went to different people. Usually these were just tarot cards. We simply asked different questions, mostly to find out the future and how to improve it. What did they tell you? For example, you come and ask. Will I sell a lot? Or what? They tell you, yes, you will, if… Request. I wonder, what kind of request did you come with? If you can recall, tell us. Any. We asked the mage to do something so that we could also sell like that, in a magic way, I don't know. Hence. No, I'm sorry. I will try to simulate or hint. So, you come to the mage and say, we work there and there, our names are such and such. There is a person who sells a lot. We don't have enough. We want to sell the same way, right? And what does he tell you? Okay. I'll do it. Yes. So, what was needed from you? A certain amount of money or… Yes, a certain amount of money. How much? At that time, how much? At that time, it was between two and four hundred hryvnias, depending on what we wanted. So, here's a request. You put a certain amount of money and I'll do it for you. That's it. I don't need anything else from you, neither photographs nor, I don't know, any item… Neither the name of that girl… A piece of cloth… Her hair… No, no. As far as I remember, he asked for her photo… Asked for a photo? Of the girl? Yes, yes. I will do everything. You can go and sell. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Did he announce the time frame? Yes, right away. So, you go out and everything works. Okay, can we get Kostya on camera? Guys, let's just say we are lucky today. We have not only Maria as our guest. Today, there is a guy she met at work. And he was also in certain situations together with Maria. So, Kostya, please share what specific requests you made to fortune tellers and mages. And what did you have to give in return? And of course, did you get what you wanted? Let me tell you. First, I will start in the context of what Maria said about the person from whom we ordered these services. First of all, I want to begin with, have you seen the movie Aladdin? Not the movie, but the cartoon. So, this mage was like a genie for us, in fact. We came to him as if to a store and ordered something that we couldn't implement in such a short time in real life. The first of our requests was that we wanted to gain more power in sales. Meaning, we wanted to raise and upgrade our level to sell more. In the place where we worked, there was competition. Accordingly, it was necessary to show that we were cooler and we could do more in order to match our strength with somebody else. 
In such an aggressive environment, there appeared desires that we wanted to implement, and we just came across a person who basically fulfilled them for us. Speaking of the first session we came to, we ordered, I will repeat myself, to upgrade our level, which means to sell more. An interesting paradox occurred in my case. I called him and said, I've ordered a list of things I would like to enhance. It began with a banal increase in charisma and ending with a surge of strength, energy and so on. Such a set, so to say. And he said that it was difficult for him to break through me. Not to break through, but rather to enter, in order to do something. We had a conversation where I asked about the tool he uses. How does he do that? It was so interesting. During the conversation, we came to such an interpretation that when he gets inside a person, he opens, so to speak, cabinets with information and remakes that information. So, he edits something in a person. It's also interesting that this person was not only engaged in such trifles. The matter we came to him with was really a trifle. He was involved in impacting people at a distance. That was his main activity in the context of magic. Tell us, please, was the impact positive or negative? Negative, of course. Well, depending on what people order, but in most cases it was negative. Okay, let's go back to the point when he said that he couldn't get through you. Yes. Enter. And here is an interesting point. He told me to let him do that. One night I was in bed and said, I allow you to enter. And I really felt something hit me in the chest. It was such a powerful clap. In what area? Right here. I felt that something really entered me. After that, of course, my orders were fulfilled. And Masha's were fulfilled as well. Yet, what did we get out of that? It was a very interesting paradox. Yes, we got what we wanted, but we paid more in return. With what, can you tell us? First of all, with an emotional state. It became absolutely unstable. I mean, I was in a surge one day, I could do so much, but the next day I was dying in apathy. I couldn't, not that I couldn't, I didn't want anything. It's like somebody came and sucked out all my life. That's how it happened. It wasn't always so vivid, but in most cases, when I invested a lot of attention in something and expected to get it, it ended up exactly with such a scenario. Okay, fine, thank you. Masha, Kostya has passed the baton to you. Tell us, please, what kind of cleaning it was, what creature stuck to you, just put the story in context. When I felt unwell due to my work, when there was a nervous breakdown, 
When I enhanced these emotions, I had a feeling that I could hear people's thoughts. I came to them and knew if they would buy or not, and what they thought about me then. I mean, it was also triggered that I could feel it all. After such feelings, apathy came, and I felt very bad. So I asked the mage, why is that with me? I don't understand what is happening to me. Why can't I control myself? What should I do? And he would say, it's not a big deal. You've just got some entity stuck to you. They live everywhere. I can see them. It's okay. You just need to be cleaned. I'll help you. It's not a problem. In fact, you know how to do this and that, and if you learn more, you are going to be really cool, since things are going so well for you now. He was kind of hinting that I needed to learn this and develop it even more. In sales or in foresight? In reading thoughts? In what? No, not in sales. It was through sales that everything came out. Such different sensations that I had. He hinted that... Abilities, roughly speaking. Yes, exactly. He said it should be developed. And he said that you need, you specifically, to do some cleaning. Yes, he kept saying that something was sticking to me. So cleaning had to be done, right? I was angry. Why does something stick to me all the time, but not to Kostya? How can that be? So nothing was sticking to Kostya, but they stuck yes, to you. Yes, all the problems were always because of me. He said that everything was sticking to me and it had to be cleaned. He just, I don't know what he was doing. So it was happening at a distance. It wasn't a direct impact. Yes, he said, just pay me the money and I will do it. Very convenient. Kostya, let's go back to cleaning. What happened next? I suppose you agreed? There was such a situation. Being in Poland, we really had very strong emotional attacks, so to say. It was expressed in different ways in each of us. But the state of both was extremely severe, if we talk about the emotional state. Accordingly, we got a solution to this issue, because we already had the experience of working with Arthur, and there were moments when he helped. Even though, I want to emphasize it, we already knew that it wasn't good, but we still did it. We addressed him as a genie who fulfilled our wishes. Probably, we were implementing the dream of any person. I think everyone had thoughts like, I am in a bad mood, my leg hurts, my arm is aching, I have problems at work. And here you are, at one moment, literally for three or four hundred hryvnas, all the person's problems are resolved. There was an interesting situation, when we called him and said, listen, look at us, we are a little bit inadequate, but we would like to return to normal. He just said, something has stuck to Maria, you're fine, there are some clouds. Pay money, we will clean you up now. And we really, well, I don't know if it was out of suggestion or we could really feel it, but we really felt like somebody's hands got inside of us and started doing something. Some kind of strange jitters appeared, it was so, I don't know, it was really jitters in all organs, in the whole body. Such a very strange feeling. Okay, tell us, please, if, according to this mage, some creatures came to Masha, it affected you as well. Did you feel the presence of these creatures 
or not. I think it was quite obvious because of our emotional state. Well, I will talk about my state. Let Masha tell you about hers, she'll be closer to it. I had such a state that I wanted to run away from reality. I saw what was happening and couldn't stand it emotionally. I was running away to computer games, even into simple apathy. I just didn't want to do anything. I think for a normal, healthy, full-fledged person it's an abnormal state. In Masha's case, on the contrary, it was accompanied by frustration, intense crying and depressive states. They weren't a one-time incident, but were almost every day for some time. She couldn't stand it. I looked at it and couldn't stand it either. There was no strength to cope with that. Did we feel any influence? Yes, we did. It was obvious and clear. But analyzing it from today's position, now I understand why and how it happened. Yet at that time it was implicit. And there was an accusation of the person who was near. Masha accused me of being guilty, and I blamed her for what was happening. No one had any idea of what was going on. In my subjective opinion, it was the same shadow. Because bringing a person into such a state within such a short period of time, yeah, if we analyze it that way, it was an external impact. I want to mention one more thing about that man, our genie, to whom we made our wishes, so to say. During our joint conversation, he, Masha and I met together, he offered me to attach a guardian angel to my son. Yeah, no matter how ridiculous it may sound. Such a paradox. If we think from the perspective of today, a person who has a relationship with the dead, really dead, can attach a guardian angel to another person. I mean, these are things that don't connect with each other in any way. So I not only had an experience of ordering it for myself, but I ordered it for a little child too. I would also like to tell you a little bit about my relationship with Kostya and how it started. Some of the things you described in the shadow control video really helped me to understand it clearly. Our relationship began as soon as we met in a very passionate and emotional way. We didn't even talk yet, but there was something inside. My consciousness was already interested in this person. I didn't understand it yet, but I began to notice at the time I was in a relationship with another guy. So I noticed that I was comparing my boyfriend with him for some reason. I started having obsessive thoughts about Kostya. And when we were assigned to work together, it was something... I don't know, this never happened in my life. 
It was kind of unrealistic attraction and excitement. If we touched each other a little bit, it was like an uh, electric current running through my entire body. I thought it was true love, like in a fairy tale. I didn't know I could fall in love so much. When we kissed for the first time, I felt as if I had taken off. I felt the pleasure with my entire body. All my thoughts and emotions were always about him. Nothing was more important than thinking about him. And when I was with him, I felt such strong emotions. Everything was erased around. There was only one thing in my head, just him, and that's all. From what you told about those different sensations, I understand that I could no longer control myself at that time. Already later, when we were together for a long time, different situations happened. But the nice period of super love ended very quickly. And there was already a feeling of attachment, sort of. When we spent a lot of time together, we felt bad. That was like a feeling of emptiness. I was very sociable and communicated with everybody. I always met a lot of people in the street. So I recalled that when we started having relationship problems, I stopped meeting friends in the streets at all. It was like I was isolated. I felt very lonely. This person was the only one I could openly communicate with, that kind of feeling I had. Yet, I felt that when we were together, there was some pressure. I was not myself, I didn't recognize myself. But when he was leaving, at the same time, it was like life really ended. What do I do without him? How do I even wait until our next meeting? It was like... Well, I don't know. It was it was very emotional, even painful. Can we listen to Kostya now? What was on your side? How was it happening to you? At first, I didn't perceive it as anything at all. She was just an interesting girl at work. But when we went to work together for the first time, I remember this moment. We came back, and I remember while standing near the window, she looked at me and asked, how was your day? How many cards have you sold today? And I thought, she takes care of me. I really liked it. So we started walking together to the same bus stop. It went on increasing, but there was a peak that just changed everything. There were, I would say, input emotions. I felt like I was under the influence of a hard drug. I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to sleep. I can say I was really stoned. I remember I really wanted to go to work to see her. At that time, I was dating a girl. We had a common child. Though this relationship was already fading away, going into the sunset, as one might say. And I met Masha right at the time when there was a predisposition for this. There was a basis for starting this relationship. However, those states I agree with Masha, they were not long. 
They lasted for several months, then began to fade away. And then we started seeing more real qualities of each other and noticed the negative sides. We weren't fully aware of such a thing as I disagree with something. We saw and accepted it. I mean, I did see negative traits in her, but I accepted them. This period lasted for about seven months. After that, I guess Masha should share what happened next. Did you also have this electricity, as Masha says? It felt like I did. Well, I didn't really feel this way with any other woman. Masha mentioned electricity, but in my interpretation I was stoned. So much she talks about kisses and hugs. It was really on the verge of some very strong feelings. I thought it was true love too, and she was the one with whom I could implement that love. There was a dream. It was my happy end that I had waited for so long after everything that happened in my life. By the way, I want to emphasize one more thing. I used to do that too. I attended fortune tellers. I had an acquaintance. Before you met Masha? Before I met Masha, yes. I had a friend from my neighborhood, with whom we met again. I used to go out with him as a child. It was a very difficult period in my life. It was exactly when my girlfriend got pregnant, and there was no support from my parents, neither mine nor hers. The moment was so depressing that I had to do something. Yet I saw no solution. Right at that time this guy emerged in my life. We were telling fortunes with him so intensely. He told me at the last session, you'll meet a girl on your life path who will finally understand you, with whom you will have a happy end. I believed in it so much that when I got the chance to start a relationship with Masha, I had this phrase in my head. She's the one who will understand and love you. Everything will be fine. So, it was such a situation. It was foretold, and here she is. Did you hear that in your head? It is not like the situation was foretold. This prophecy appeared in my head, further strengthening my already made decision to start a relationship with Masha. Like a judge tapping a gavel. That was the same thing. Did you feel the presence of shadows before meeting Masha, after you engaged in fortune-telling a lot? Yes, of course. I felt the presence of shadows. How was it manifested? Right at the crossroad of these events, I met an old acquaintance, whom I used to go out with as a child. He acquired those powers and began to foretell. My friends from the neighborhood started promoting him. We know a person who can predict the future. Go and try it. I think everyone already understood from the conversation that my consciousness was looking for such genius to fulfill my desires. I was interested in this person, so I decided to go and try. 
Our first session went really well. He told me everything that really happened in my life. It was true. And every time, it was like I was hooked. So every decision I made in my life was through cards, no other way. If I wasn't making a decision through cards, I had a thousand doubts. I simply couldn't, I refused to make a decision. I called him. I couldn't make any decision before he showed up, laid out the cards and foretold the future for me. It turned into a habit. How did it affect me later? It lasted until one fine moment. When my girlfriend and I already had a son, a thought came to my mind. Is it my son? Of course, I ran to my body. Let's read the cards and see what it will show. Is it really so or not? We were foretelling for three days, non-stop. I'm serious, three days, and each session lasted a few hours a day. I was wondering if my son was mine or not. It would be easier to do a DNA test than these three days of foretelling. Of course, consciousness is always looking for a freebie. There is already a more proven way – cards. Yes. But here is an interesting point. Good thing you've noticed. For my consciousness, cards were more reliable than any DNA test. How did it all end? He eventually said, there was always one thing on the cards, unknown from the bad side. It was a black joker. And if it was a red joker, it meant unknown from the good side. But as you understand, it was always unknown from the bad side. And I was sort of redirected to another mage, a stronger one, in order to find out the truth which my consciousness wanted. He recommended me a fortune teller, who, at the time he introduced her, was fortune telling on runes, using her own blood. It was actually something terrible. I could go to her just once, that's all. There was only one chance. I thought, okay, I made an appointment and went there. She spread the cards, fed my pridefulness and said, you are so nice, you are such a good person. I already understand what she said to me and why I was fascinated by her divination. She told me, probably it's not your son, but I'm not taking responsibility. Great. So, I'm not taking responsibility, but it's not your son. But if anything, you haven't been here. You haven't been here and haven't seen me. And what did my head do? It really started to believe that. And the cycle of unwinding these thoughts began to such a state, to nausea, that I really wanted to kill myself. It got to the point of having suicidal thoughts. There were so many emotional difficult events for me, I couldn't get over the fact that it wasn't really my son, even without knowing it for sure. It was some kind of vacuum. I was in an illusion, but I didn't want to figure all this out. After that, I decided to do a DNA test, just to get rid of that state, because it was impossible to detach from those thoughts. How did my girlfriend take it? Indeed, my actions looked quite weird. She asked me, what's wrong with you? 
Why do you want to do this? Just for you to understand, we had a very good relationship in terms of trust. We trusted each other. She was my first girlfriend with whom I had my first intimate experience, my first love, so to speak. And having crossed it all out, I wanted to do a test. After the results came in, which it was said, yes, it's your son, as if something came out of me and let me go, I realized, what have I done? What a chain happened? My emotional contribution to it all. My girlfriend, her mother, my mother, this situation really affected so many people, and then it brought so many consequences in the future. It was a key point, after which I began to slow down. I realized that I was going in the wrong direction. Those divinations lasted exactly one year. For a whole year I gave this person maybe two days of rest. I don't know how he could really stand me. But he was probably interested in it himself, I guess. Did you pay him anything, or did he just… No, it was free, free of charge. He said he was learning. He was practicing on you. Yes, he used me to learn it. I understood that a year had passed, and the guy was growing up in his abilities. Indeed, he already started telling fortunes to other people and reached a new level. Yet, what did I notice about myself? From a cheerful person, I always enjoyed smiling, I used to joke a lot, I became depressed and apathetic. I didn't want anything. He was like a tool for me to fulfill my wishes. So why should I do anything? I started having erotic dreams where I was paralyzed after sleep. I couldn't explain it, and I didn't know what to do about that. Certainly, whom did I go to? Who could tell me about that? Of course, this person. I told him what happened to me, and he said, it's okay, I got much worse things happening. He told me… Interesting, so what? What did he get? Well, how did he present this information? He draws strength from the dead and suffers from it himself meaning they also come to him in his sleep. There were moments when he said, it wanted to kill me, so I stopped cooperating with it, with one of these creatures. So, it turns out that if this is true, then there are several of these creatures with whom you can make sort of an alliance. You can get some power from them, but it's really very scary. If I had tremendous consequences in my life only after fortune-telling, from a normal person I started turning into an apathetic, depressed individual. Then what were the consequences for him? Can you imagine? In one of the Shadow Control episodes a girl had such an experience, when, several years later, she met a person who had previously conducted some kind of training. He became so exhausted and skinny, absolutely weak, right? I can say the same thing about the guy who was telling me fortunes. So now he also looks like… Yes, believe me, he has experienced quite a tough situation in his life. So, based on what you've just said, 
It turns out that those who are engaged in divination receive information which is seen on cards from some creatures. Yes, definitely. This friend of yours said it was something dead. I interact with the dead and it gives me this information. But in return, it takes something from me. It comes to me in a dream, scares me. Naturally, this affects his health and so on. Okay, thanks. I want to emphasize that it affects not only health, but the person himself. His condition from normal becomes abnormal. I mean, he experiences the same thing as the person for whom he tells fortunes. Only he pays more for that. This is my subjective opinion, based on my… Because you were observing it. Yes, I was just observing it. And, thank God, I stopped, while that guy went on. There is one point. When I watched the games of professionals, there was something about relationships. And it was said that if you feel the presence of a third entity in a relationship, it is always something negative. Kostya and I shared a lot of things with each other, and I realized that before we met, we did a lot of similar things. He had some interest in these shadows, and something was happening to me. I was just thinking, I tried various relationships, and I always sort of felt power over men. They became strange. It got to the point where I didn't want to communicate with them anymore, and they would cry. From normal, adequate guys, they became, well, I didn't understand, and it scared me. I didn't understand why it happened. And consciousness interpreted it as follows. They are not worthy, they are not quite developed, you will find someone who will understand you. There was such a thought, a feeling was imposed that there was someone, there wasn't even an image, just a feeling. That he already exists and you… Yes, and I will meet him. I just made it for myself, in fact. Once I got this picture, it led to the point that we just couldn't pass each other. I mean, there was an immediate flash, because we kind of… Both of us had many similar things in our consciousness that could lead us to the same outcome – death. And it was just leading us straight there. You've just said that it was leading you to death. Can you expand on what you mean? It starts with some desires, fantasies, very strong emotions, as well as with a very strong affection and shifting responsibility. And both of us had it. Yes, we really saw it in each other. It ended with a peak. He had such thoughts, and I had them. And there was no light, no ground for positive things in our life anymore. So, both of you had suicidal thoughts. Your relationship changed, it became extremely negative, and any quarrel actually led both of you to the thoughts of committing suicide. I want to emphasize how quarrels started and what followed those quarrels. 
следовало ну, вот, за этими ссорами. If we didn't make peace immediately, it was very difficult to do it later. A chain of thoughts had already been launched, which came down to one thing, to kill ourselves. We didn't want to live so much that we openly even said it to each other. I don't want to live because of this. I want to die. For example, when I said it, Against the background of Masha's experience, what happened in her life, she reacted even more emotionally. We broke up, then we got back together, then we broke up again. Eventually, we met and started talking normally. And what did we notice? We noticed that when we were fighting, there was someone else next to us. Yes, now we have already realized that there was always someone third during the intimacy and, of course, during the quarrels. It was just like a flash, very fast, and you couldn't control yourself. You didn't want to say it, you didn't want to do it, but it just happened, and it was very strong. I don't know how to explain it. More or less recently, six months ago, I realized that someone appears behind my back when I think about Kostya. When I even think about him, I already invest attention in something third. And I began to realize that it wasn't Kostya, that I don't just think about him. It is interesting that when we observed it and kept diaries, we could be out of communication for a week and then make a call. At the same time, we had thoughts about each other. On the same day, at the same time, it was so interconnected, we didn't talk, but I could know what he was thinking, and he knew what I was thinking as well. He calls me and asks, are you thinking about it now? I say, yes. How do you know? I don't know, I just know. As if there was something between us. It feels like we created it with our attention and emotions. And when we start thinking about each other, it, even now, when we are not together anymore, we participate in projects and don't communicate much beyond them. But there is a clear understanding. As soon as I start thinking about Kostya, someone else immediately appears. If I don't focus on it, and when we just peacefully communicate, nothing like that happens. No sense of someone's presence, right? Yes. Do you also have this sense of someone's presence? When Masha refers to thinking about her, right? And not just thinking, but reading her thoughts. There is really such a thing. We have the living experience that it's like spam for both of us. Once I caught such a thing, a memory of a sponge cake came to me. The sponge cake was associated with certain life circumstances. I called her and asked, Look, a thought has just come to me. Is that what you are thinking? She answered, Yes. I was shocked myself. I thought, wow, how do we transmit all this indeed? What are we connected to at this point? Really? Like there was some sort of insight. It was probably the point when I began to understand that something was really wrong. Let's explore why this is happening to us.
Over the four years of our relationship, we have collected a lot of such facts. As I said at the beginning, I realized that all this was a desire for magic. What we are telling you is a small piece of information. All of these wish cards, watching bad movies, everything you talk about in the shadow control videos, probably all this was in my life. And I just understand that it came to light a little bit in me. I closed it from myself and didn't understand it, in fact. I felt it, but I couldn't interpret it. Everything was presented so normal. I just see that everything is presented as normal in people's life. Magic at work is normal. To be emotional in everyday life is normal. All this is presented as normal. But at the same time, someone else lives our life instead of us. So I, I'd like to tell you how a few good words from a person can sometimes actually save one's life. I met a participant of the Alatra movement. He told me about the lotus flower practice. When I started practicing the lotus flower, dreams about my grandmother and my fears stopped. And when I again had a dream that my grandmother wanted to attack me, I just wasn't afraid anymore. In my dream, I came up to her, touched her and said, what can you do to me? You cannot do anything to me. I'm with God and I'm fine. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I just screamed like that and she disappeared. I also recalled another thing. In one video, when a girl said that people who have experience with shadows become vulnerable, you made a conclusion that shadows seem to know the way to them. And now, already working on myself, I can say this is true. I just understand that there is indeed vulnerability from simple thoughts and simple desires. The consequences are immediate, they come very fast. As a matter of fact, when you feel the sword over your head, when you do something during the day and right away feel consequences in the evening, it is easier for you to give it up, you already know it clearly. And such an understanding has come that people who choose kindness, who do it not because they are naive, these people exactly know very well what evil is, and they make their choice consciously. They go to God, to love and to kindness, being aware of why they go there. These are definitely not people with pink glasses. They know what bad is, and they know what good is. There was such a moment when Masha and I went to an esoteric store in our Lviv city. We always went there just to look what is there. Once we entered and saw a man was sitting there who predicted on cards and somehow enlightened people on what awaited them ahead. We certainly decided to join. Let's address him and try our destiny again. We approached that man and asked him, can you tell fortunes for us too? And he answered, for both of you I don't know, but whatever you want. We agreed, tell fortune to both of us. And there was such an interesting point that he said, you were involved in divination 
quite a lot in your life. It is contraindicated for you to do it. Just like that. Strange as it may seem. The person who engages in it was dissuading us from doing it. No, guys. You already had too much. Okay, remember we talked about how your relationship started? Yes. Can you tell us about this unnatural passion and the subsequent events? There were such moments when we had an unreal attraction to each other. It came suddenly. It just switched momentarily. Masha told me that even my eyes changed. There was nothing alive. There was a creature that wanted one thing. It wanted sex. It could last all day long, and we didn't sleep all night. We had sex, and we talked. It felt like we were under the influence of some kind of medication or something else. Such was the feeling. This was happening for several months. Afterwards, there followed very strong depressive states. But when a request came to do it again, we did understand the consequences. We understood what it was leading to. But the voice in our head told us, now, in this very moment, you will definitely get to the peak of feelings, and now you will really feel good. But it always lied. We never experienced full satisfaction that was offered to us. It may be compared to thirst. Indeed, there was such a thirst that no matter how much water you drink, you would still be thirsty. Such was the turn of events in terms of intimacy. Every time, when I resorted to actions related to magic, or search for a partner in my life, if the request was from the voice in my head, it was always a lie. I still remained in the same hole. My expectations have never been fulfilled. Never. There was always cheating. If people are watching us now, those who have experienced such situations in their lives and want to use magic or search for a partner to resolve some situations in their lives, I guess there are already enough videos in order to conclude. What is offered by these creatures never comes true in reality. A person only feels a decline in energy and loses his or her life in exchange for what is offered. Now, what is the cost for someone who turned to mages for something, no matter what action it is? And why does it happen this way? That is, a person has come, he craves. Well, give us any example. There is an example. By the way, we have a question addressed at a forum to mages and psychics who promise to get it done. Here is the question. You wrote about yourself that your main speciality is destructive impacts. Aren't you afraid of the backlashes and irrevocable strikes on your karma due to the fact that you break the natural course of other people's lives and destinies? And won't there be harm for a person who comes to you with a request? 
want a punishment fall down on him? Well, of course, the reply… And what do you mean by punishment? In reply, they will say, of course not, everything's fine, nothing will happen to you, because we take everything on ourselves. It's business, after all. Yes. Yes. That you won't have to be responsible. But the thing is that a mage is already inevitably dead. If a person embarks on the path of serving Satan, how can he come to the Lord's world? A simple question. He's a slave of the system, an inevitable subpersonality. But that person who addresses mages for fortune-telling or something else, he wants to know what will be or Well, let's take an example of what people want to know and expand on it. They actually want to know the future. The future. The future, right. Okay, so what is precognition? The mage must know the object of observation which a person wants to know about, because the future is enormous, and even, let's say, the mage won't be able to tell it. Specifically, a person wants to know, for example, what awaits him in the future. And there are key moments, which, let's say, like road signs, stand along his life or along the path of this person. Of the person. And a mage who possesses the ability of precognition, seeing this person, knowing his image and knowing his name, can walk the path of his life. What will this person pay with? A simple question. He will know what awaits him, for example, birth of children, construction of a house, well, classics. And he will also plant some trees. Well, trivial things. So he found out, even in some circumstances or something else, or he was forewarned about something bad. The mage might say, be careful at that time, don't drive a car, or go on foot, on Thursday, for example, and nothing bad will happen to you. The person does this, lives, everything is fine, nothing happens. And now a question, what did he pay with? And does he actually live? And at whose expense will all this come true, yes? After all, when contacting a mage, a person makes a deal. What does he exchange his life, his future for? For knowing what it will be like for him. A paradox. But it's true. And now a simple point, attention please, how exactly does he exchange? What happens at that time? After all, nothing can come out of nothing, and the payment must be tangible. The power of attention and time. Time is an important factor, which a person pays with, but a much more important thing is attention. That attention which a person should direct to God's love for uniting with the spiritual world, he redirects it to expectation or getting some results afterwards to fears of retribution and everything else. Thus, he doesn't have and cannot have life, plus demons, who definitely… The third forces connect very often. If you made a deal, if you, so to say, paid a demon once, he will never leave you alone. Binding. He will always eat you. Thus, every mage has a network created, a network of debtors, let's put it that way. And it doesn't matter what amount of money you gave him. Although, I repeat, real mages have a very high price, but they give a result in the material world. Well, I mean a financial price. But that price, which people don't know about, is even higher. 
So it turns out that they pay a mage with their power and their vital energy. And among other things, they implement these programs themselves. Absolutely. They pay with their life. Not just with vital energy, but they pay with life. With life, for an illusion. Sure. And they get an illusion. Because whatever he wishes for, home, loving family, something else, yes, he will have it, but it will be temporary, and it will disappear, pardon me, like water. And here it remains, yes. Just get a handful of water and do this, and you'll see it gone. The same goes for your life, just like water, it will slip from your hands. The same goes for your life. And what will remain? Although, again, everyone has their own opinion, their own life experience. Many people might say, what are they talking about while sitting there? Yes, after all, we had a situation, we went to a fortune teller, she told us, we did so, and everything is fine and wonderful now. It worked. Well, well, it happens, there are a lot of such cases. At what cost? For now, yes, my friends. But we will talk later, when we meet not here. Well, we have now watched the story of Masha and Kostya, and it is fundamental in the sense that it reveals so many points of how magic works. And for this story not to remain just an interesting story for our viewers, let us now emphasize and reveal in more detail the essence of the things which the guys have faced. What do you think it would be worth focusing on? There are indeed obvious points in this story which are very interesting in terms of studying the impact of shadows on human life. Therefore, we sincerely thank the guys for sharing this story. Yes, certain points have remained unrevealed and unsaid, nevertheless, what has been said is more than enough to do some analysis. As we can see from the guys' story, they had an interest in magic since early childhood. For Masha, it began with communication with her grandmother. For Kostya, it started to manifest itself with the fact that in his youth he communicated and interacted a lot with his friend, a novice psychic. Yes. Another very important point is that from the guy's story, we can't clearly understand the destructive influence of magic and divination on human life. After analyzing Masha's story, we see that her family tried to cope with her severe negative emotional state by visiting fortune tellers. And later, they went to the mage. These moments were exactly through what shadows entered her life. Then we can see a magic trace in her work. She even went to work where magic elements were actively used, such as a visualization board, high or, let's say, intense emotional euphoric states for increasing sales in order to move up the career ladder. By the way, we can see such an approach in many companies nowadays. I mean, things like visualization boards have already become commonplace, so to say. However, magic does work. And what is needed for magic? A desire, an image, and an emotion are the three major components. As we can see, such supposedly positive outbursts and some circumstances in life 
increase in sales, some acquaintances or something else, are necessarily followed by a severe emotional state as a retribution. Depression, all sorts of suppressed psychological breakdowns, quarrels with people around. This is the payment for a positive result in material life, which a person is striving for. Yes, this demonic attachment, unusual passion that the guys described, euphoria, all this shows that their relationship was stimulated by the shadow that was eating from both of them. And the fact that this passion, this euphoria, all this was later replaced with a negative attitude towards each other, it doesn't really change anything. Because the attachment remained anyway, and the shadow continued to eat through conflict situations. For the shadow, it actually, yes, it eats through euphoria as well, but negativity is more interesting for it. Why? Because it is more saturated with energy than euphoria. Right. I would like to thank the guys for coming and sharing their story. They described in such detail all the situations that took place at their work and in their personal life. I think many of our viewers will recognize themselves and look at their lives more soberly, at their work, at their relationships. Just look at them without the shroud of shadow influence. Guys, thank you very much. The story really shows everyone, absolutely all people, how our ordinary life is permeated with shadows. Restless sleep, unstable emotional states, work, relationships. The guys had a shadow at all the stages. It is actually weird, but for some reason this weirdness has become commonplace nowadays. Without even trying to study, and understand, people go to shadows and find themselves in their clutches. Because they don't know about it, nobody tells them, and most amazingly, no one is trying to study it. So, it seems like an ordinary story of two simple people. But how much information and what a big layer it actually opens up. Now, it already seems to me that many people will find it hard to close their eyes to the obvious things. So, once again, we sincerely thank Masha Kostya for coming and sharing their story. We are grateful to the entire Shadow Control team for highlighting and raising these topics and simply accentuating main points in our life. So, guys, be vigilant and have a good night.